people keep asking when Pepe is, when bulk minting, when all, everything, it ever, ever ends. Even when you look in the comments, somebody's like, wish this was prioritized over ordinals, but better late than never. <laughs> you can never uh, appease everybody. One thing though, that ordinals was good. I mean, ordinals is awesome. From an emblem vault infrastructure perspective, it definitely shined a light on all of the weak points of emblem vaults. So uh, there was a benefit there. Of course, we weren't aware of those, those small mistakes, but we do have a long place to go. Pepe's are almost on the horizon. It was actually good. Ordinals taught us a lot. And I think the rollout of Curated is going to go a lot smoother because of Ordinals, believe it or not. I think it's going to be worth the wait. And it, we're close now. I know we've been saying we're close, but actually what I mean by close this time is like we're actually top of the list right now, which is great. Yo, GM, GM, everybody. Episode 10, man, dude, we're flying on these episodes can't believe we've almost been at emblem vault for almost five months now man how crazy is that bro i'm telling you we're gonna be at a hundred in no time and then a thousand's gonna creep up on you and you're gonna be like what just happened here we are man what just happened uh dog father good morning bro how you feeling can you guys hear me oh there you are hey 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 guys uh gm gm i'm still in a car but i, I will be available in around 10 minutes yeah no problem ethord i just invited you up <laughs> to be get to uh come hang out everyone gm gm man uh, we had a what good a time last night kind of celebrating a little uh nft history um at a nice space last night uh i think that was pretty awesome uh, if anybody missed it check out either Meyer jake's um tweets and stuff you can find it it was a great listen kind of about that week in march 2021 so uh if you guys want to check that out it's a good time yeah, that was a uh, that was actually the first time I had talked with Harry in a in a long time. He had disappeared. He's really one of the the OGs in terms of the NFT archaeology and finding stuff. Man, I missed everything about NFT archaeology. I was not a excavator in a sense. I was somebody who's just a journalist, I guess, or I suppose. Uh, I know you're in there, Adams. Adams a pro now. He's you're able to navigate any type of blockchain, any any block explorer. You're good. <laughs> hardly man it's a never-ending learning experience man there's as you know dude there is literally something new to learn every single day it's amazing yeah there it absolutely is i'm excited um to see so i want to start off man uh, it was something we kind of touched on yesterday uh in that spaces and I, I believe and it's crazy to me that no one's really talking about this um but i'm also not an expert that i'm about to go into and it's actually the uh taxes and the, the guidance of the IRS. I just pulled up here. It's even It was even on CNBC at one point. The IRS plans to tax some NFTs as collectibles and the rich would pay up to 28% on profits. I love how they position that. Oh, Leo's here too because we were kind of talking about this uh, yesterday. So the IRS plans to tax some rich NFTs collectibles and the rich would pay up to 28% on profits. Uh, this is the first time that the IRS has ever put guidance out on nfts and you can request they're requesting comments up until june it says collectibles carry a long-term capital gains tax of 28 percent other such other assets such as stocks and cryptocurrency generally carry a maximum of 20 percent. so right now uh the current tax rate is 20 percent because they are collectibles they're trying to move the long term or the short term to 28 percent because irs i guess wants their money the IRS intends to use a look-through analysis to determine whether an NFT is a collectible. It will issue final guidance after a public comment period. And so now I'm actually pulling up uh, on the screen that are watching 
this is actually like the the guidance that they had uh, put out the from the official IRS website. And so if you're here, it says section 408 M2 provides that for the purposes of succession, the term collectible. So this is what collectible means to the IRS. Any work of art, any rug or antique, any metal or gem, any stamp or coin, any alcoholic beverage. I found that one very interesting. <laughs> I don't know how it's a collectible, man, if you're drinking it. I guess maybe they can. One of your old scotch, right? I mean, that's what they're thinking about, right? Ah, true. And then any other tangible personal property specified by the secretary for purposes of this subsection. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, Adam, what do you think of this? I, I prefaced by saying that I do not know much about <laughs> taxes. I, I just went and visited my tax uh, person the other day, and uh, he always makes me feel better after I leave. <laughs> <laughs> What it is, is uh, in my view, taxes are always, this is the, uh, let's make it as confusing as possible so that we can always get you. Um, that's my, that's my end view. If they want to get you, you're got right. There's like no escaping it because it's so complicated. Like literally no, no one individual on earth could, could possibly untangle this mess. Um, you know, it makes me, it makes me be like, gosh, darn, I, I, I almost wish I would have just given up my u.s citizenship years ago man <laughs> just literally not have to just to not have to deal with this right i mean you know it's coming up man it's like you're gonna have to i'm gonna spend days doing my taxes right um and and with meeting with my tax guy and doing all this garbage and it's like ugh, you know and you're still wrong if they want you to be wrong yeah i mean that's just at the end of the day if they want if they think you're if they want you you're done and uh it's it's one of the Real, for me, it's one of the negative, real negatives about the U.S. Like, just charge, whatever, charge me 15% on absolutely everything, every transaction, every everything, and let's just stop this nonsense. But instead, it's this complicated mess, and uh, yeah, it's a total nightmare for me. It's, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I've tried, a I've, I've tried at least three or four different softwares, and they all come up with different numbers. That's oh, crazy. Yeah, man. Dude, that's when you know you're at the height of insanity. I mean, it's it's like literally you go to two different tax accountants, you are going to get two very, very different tax returns. Um, and the other guy guarantees going to go, oh man, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, if you if you've ever gone to an account, this is at my experience with every single accountant ever. The previous accountant was an idiot, and you were at risk for what you were doing. That's every new accountant I get is like, I can't believe you were doing that. That's crazy. You know. God, forget it, man. They're worse than lawyers, man. They are. I, as somebody who's uh, from Vegas, I talked about this a lot. I've actually been audited three different times. There's three years in a row, actually, from the IRS. Yeah, that's because, crazy, dude. How's because, that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I worked. So I worked in the nightclub and day club industry for ten years, and <clears throat> it's it's generally the nightlife industry gets about twenty five percent of the staff gets audited every year. So it kind of is just on rotation <laughs> because it has to do with tips. And so I assume this is probably what's going to end up happening in the crypto industry as well. Although with it, it, you can never completely eliminate it. There's always ways pe people will always figure out a way to kind of um, circumvent whatever the, the restriction is, no matter if it's taxes or money laundering or right Silk Road or technology. People are always going to find a way around it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I went to court all three times. And so I've won, I, won, I went to I went two of three of them so far. The third one's still pending. <laughs> You just got to be able to, you just got to have a good tax attorney, man. Oh and uh, for actually two of them, they actually had misrepresented my hours by like a thousand hours. So they were actually just like completely wrong on it. So from what I've learned through this experience is that whenever you get an audit notice, it's actually not 
any person. It's actually like their automated system. And their automated system fucks up a lot. All the time, right? All the time. And they just mass send it out. And basically what they're trying to do is force you um, to either to hire an attorney so that you have to spend more money to then fight sure. them. And yeah. so the, it's generally the lower uh, and mid, the lower income individuals are the ones who are forced to pay it because they can't pay attorney 500 bucks a month or whatever it is to do it. Yep. Uh, Leo, we were talking about this, uh, about the NFT collectible tax uh, in through the DMs yesterday. Uh, first GM. And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well, so, <laughs> I mean, basically I just see a proposal to increase the taxes that we'd have to pay in the U.S. on our NFTs. So, I mean, obviously not very thrilled by uh, this potential proposal. But, yeah, I mean, again, it's just a proposal. We'll actually have to see if this, uh, you know, kind of gets codified by the IRS as the, you know, way we tax our, like, digital assets that are non-fungible. I think it's an incredibly hard question to determine like which NFT is a collectible and which wouldn't be. That's like a really weird kind of like almost impossible task in my opinion. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. Like it's like, Oh, like we hold these like old historical NFTs. They obviously kind of feel like collectibles except they're, you know, you know, now we have a DAO or a multi-sig wallet. Does that make them like utility all of a sudden? And now they're no longer collectibles. Like, I don't know the answer to these questions. I just know that the material impact to us would be that basically the federal income tax, um, basically the, the tax you're going to pay on the sale of a long term, so holding more than a year, an NFT would go from 20% to up to 28%, um, depending on who that is uh, making the sale. So, like for me, it's just an 8% hit on every. Uh, every NFT that I hold for longer than a year and sell. So that's obviously, again, not thrilled about it. That's the only like real material difference here. I think there was some stuff in that proposal about like IRAs and stuff like that. I'm not holding NFTs and, you know, retirement accounts. So it doesn't really affect, I don't, I don't think most people are either. So I don't think that affects people too much, but yeah, I mean, it's, they're trying to bump us into this class of like collectibles, which is, Theoretically, like the reason it's taxed higher is because it's perceived as being held by wealthier individuals who have the luxury of collecting antique cars. And, you know, rich people are storing value with like 100 antique cars in their, you know, big warehouse garage in the back of their farm. Like this is the kind of perception and this is why they have the 28% tax for these guys. And yeah, they're trying to put us in that bracket and just squeeze a little more, I think. Yeah. Um, so there are a few people requested. We will bring you guys up uh, in a little bit once we kind of run through a little bit of the show. Uh, so just hang on. <clears throat> Pulling up this article, uh, they do reference land a handful of times in here, digital land. It says, uh, for example, a right to use or develop a plot of land in a virtual environment generally is not a section 408 collectible and therefore an NFT that provides a right to use or develop the plot of land in a virtual environment generally does not constitute itself as a collectible. So they're coming after, man. Maybe they classified as real estate. So that oh, they, yes, that classified as real. <laughs> what is that classified as? I think. Well, I think real real estate. Don't you pay? I think you pay the fullest capital gains taxes. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, Wait, can I claim that as my primary residence? So then I can sell it every two years and take the uh, the quarter million dollar deductible on that. Is that is that something? I can, Leo's probably already figured that out. He's he's living full time. Uh, in his metaverse land in sandbox or something. <laughs> well, well, if I remember correctly, 
uh, FTX's tax people uh, lived in the metaverse. So <laughs> maybe we're just following, following suit with them. Uh, or maybe uh, Do, Do Kwan, who just got arrested um, from the, maybe it was the digital Interpol police who caught them because they also are now uh, headquartered in, or not headquartered, they do have a land in the metaverse. They put out like a, a video about that a few, uh, like a few months ago. It's quite funny. Quite, quite funny. Uh, or the trick is just move to El Salvador where they're no longer going to tax income, property tax, or capital gains uh, around technological in innovations. Just came out yesterday. That was, yeah, uh, yeah that was awesome. This Go is really interesting. There's a lot of these like tax havens and like, there's a lot of people in crypto like who are these influencers that this is where this is what they do. They go live in Puerto Rico or these places. And I mean, they literally do pay like 0% taxes when they sell an NFT. It's pretty wild. Uh, like I don't do this, but um, there's definitely more people than you would think actually do that. I did. Yeah, they did announce yeah. that yesterday. I mean, El Salvador, man, leading, <clears throat> leading the charge of innovation. I, I think the interesting metric for me will be if, they can really get that that crime and murder rate down because they were number one in the world um, before they adopted Bitcoin as currency. So if they can uh, if they can move that down, I think that proves that maybe Bitcoin is a good model to at least integrate or classify as currency. I don't know. I like uh, I like uh, President Bukele. He's doing a lot. He's he, he had to go massively out on the risk curve to to take this right. The IMF and and all of these like international monetary funds. Um, are just trying to deplatform them from the global stage. It's very, very courageous. The, the only issue is, as Americans, we're just screwed, right? It doesn't matter. You can move to Mars, and uh, the tax rate still applies. So, unfortunately, that's the – I mean, your only, your only kind of escape, I guess, is Puerto Rico to a degree. But other than that, you're just – you're taxed full. doesn't matter where you live. Man, I don't know. I still want to go down there. Um, I'm – I, I'm gonna take an advantage. I'm gonna take advantage of it. Uh, I'll probably be halfway there because I'm gonna be in Miami next week. So uh, if everyone, if anyone's down in NFT Miami, then uh, then hit me up. Moving on uh, from the taxes because I know everyone kind of when you start talking about taxes, everyone's like, get, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm over it. Something a little bit more fun and probably uh, probably look a bit controversial, dude. These Bitcoin apes, man, they keep popping up. At first, I started looking into these uh, the other day, and I do want to preface by saying I do own, I think, like four of these that I managed to get. I did try to inscribe a bunch of them, and I realized after about like 15 of them that <laughs> I was inscribing the wrong, uh, I was inscribing the uh, the smaller version of it, not the bite perfect. I completely missed this. I believe now, uh, I think the Leonidas had posted that they that these Bitcoin apes now take up one gigabyte of almost the 500 gigabyte full node of, of a Bitcoin node. Is that right, Leo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like kind of, I really am not sure how to process a statistic like this, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a nice little chunk of Bitcoin is now just images of monkeys. Right. And again, I don't have too much more commentary other than like, yeah, that's the, the, the statistic stands for itself. I did a little interview with Decrypt and they published an article about this last night. And basically, yeah, my thought is, you know, it's good for, it's good for Bitcoin to have more fees coming in, right? Like these fees are actually helping to secure the network. It gives the miners this supplemental revenue source other than the block rewards. And we know that long-term the block rewards go to zero that's programmed into Bitcoin. So we have to solve this problem somehow. And like currently this is the leading, the leading answer is monkey images, Jake. <laughs> 
<laughs> do, do we do we think that these uh, Bitcoin apes will flip Bitcoin punks? What do, what do you think? What do we think, Adam? What's your opinion of this when you look at? I these? don't. I don't want to speculate on this, Adam. What are your What are your? <laughs> uh, I will not speculate either. But certainly, the volume has already flipped. Um, I mean, I just looked at it before the show today, and I think they were three x the volume of of Bitcoin punks. Uh, it's crazy. I rugged myself, much like Jake. Uh, I thought for sure because I, dude, like literally when Bitcoin punks happened, I was like, man, Bitcoin. Let's just do the apes. Let's do the apes. But, you know, organizing it and getting it all together, I was just like, I don't have the time to even do it. But the moment I heard those guys were like, oh, let, we're going to do it. I was like, oh, yes, because my brain had already processed. Like, I was fully in. Dude, I minted like 20 of those things, right? Awesome numbers. Seven, eight, nine, ten, six, 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 seven, seven. Bro, I had the sweet, sweet numbers, right? And then I start looking at what they've like, you know, all the ones, all the bite perfect ones. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's my wallet address, dude? What, what, what the hell's going on? And they're like, bro, you might, they, I had a guy look at it. He's like, no, you've, you uploaded the small versions. And I'm like, I did not because I went on, when I went on ordinals bot, I unchecked the, the check I, for sure. Right. Then I read the fine print, man. And it was like, if you put it in and then unchecked, mm -hmm. That gave you the small one and i rugged myself out of like i don't even know dude i was paying like fast gas so i don't know do the math i, I rugged myself out of like two grand worth of uh, gas fees on that <laughs> so um i just threw that money right into the minor river they just got, got a couple grand from mcbride but uh so yeah i was in man but now i'm out so fading, fading generational wealth just again bro it doesn't have to happen every time yeah. every time it's so yeah. awesome right for those that for those that aren't familiar with the, the context uh, adam was trying to inscribe like before or like immediately when his live like sub 100 and he was had casey on the phone having to, <laughs> trying to explain it to him it could not just could not just get it through so <laughs> that's just we're, we're used to it yeah Rugged again. Dogfather, I know you've been putting a bunch of stats out on this uh, and maybe you're familiar with it a little bit better. Uh, I just started looking into the Bitcoin apes like a few days ago after people kept continuously sending it to me. I was like, all right, I'll look at it. <laughs> and I tried to look at it, but I know you've been following it much more closely. So uh, what you got? Yeah, just a few comments on that. So um, Leo is completely right. So these fires are like 500 times larger than the small PNGs you put for a CryptoPunk. So they take way more space uh, because it's not just an, uh, you know, 24 times 24 pixel with a transparent background, but it's like really huge, sometimes even 100, 200 kilobytes. So, so we talk about relatively large files and they're also way more expensive to inscribe, obviously. So some people were paying like 200 bucks just to inscribe one. And then if you look at um, the, if you look at the volumes, of course, it's now a bit unfair to compare the Bitcoin punks and, and this Bitcoin apes because the Bitcoin punks in the early days, you know, they had crazy volume as well, you know, thousands of ETH, uh, you know, when, when, you know, when detention was there and uh, everyone was flipping in and out. And now we have the same situation with the Bitcoin punks where, you know, everyone is trying to get in and, and, and people get out who had a bunch. So uh, let's see, let's compare the volumes in, in, in a month or so, then we know more. So then it's a fair comparison. But obviously, at the moment, they have they have their you know they have their moment, and um, <clears throat> with the with the uh, the main difference I see, I'm also not speculating whether one or the other is flipping each other. But I mean, the main difference is obviously the inscription numbers, right? 
So with the with the Bitcoin punks, you have way lower inscription numbers. I think the it's it's everything is sub uh, 40k, and there are even some some uh, sub 100, some sub 10k, and so on. Uh, so that's a big difference. Long term, if people value low inscription numbers, then the Bitcoin punks and even the i2 punks look look better, right? According to that. But who knows? People love the, these apes, and we will see. I will I will definitely have a look into that into some statistics uh, later on this month. Yeah, Leo, did you have your hand up or? Yeah, I was just going to kind of second that. Like, Dogfather makes a good point. So, like, I'm obviously biased to, towards the Bitcoin punks just because I hold uh, those and I actually don't hold any of the Bitcoin apes. But I'll just try to give, like, very concisely the pitch for either collection. So, the pitch for the Bitcoin punks is, you know, all the collections at the time, this is very early on, early February, there were only collections of, like, size 100. So, all of these, like, smaller collections, it was very difficult to even manage a 100 size collection at the time. And then Bitcoin punks come along. And then in the first 35,000 inscriptions, there's this massive 10,000 supply collection. So there's these many layers to collecting an ordinal inscription. Inscription number is a piece of this puzzle that matters to the market and to certain people. So that's a very large part of the pitch. This was the pitch I put when I tweeted out my kind of thesis on it. And yeah, I mean, look, it's like you can look at this higher, you can look at the higher level aspect of all this and just say, oh, it's punks on Bitcoin. Oh, it's apes on Bitcoin. But that is kind of the under, like that is why the Bitcoin punks are, are uh, valuable and like holding value to this day. And then the Bitcoin apes, it's really, it is really about like, I don't want to get too crazy here, but there's like this labor theory of value that, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners will argue underpins the value of a Bitcoin because you have to do proof of work in order to like mine that Bitcoin and money had to be spent. So therefore it like shouldn't go to zero. Cause like psychologically we all know there was all this like actual work that went into generating that it wasn't just programmatically created. So there's a similar thing with Bitcoin punks here. People are basically burning a million dollars to create these. And if you do subscribe to the labor theory of value, some level of psychology is at play where it would be, there's probably some level of value that's underpinning the value of the Bitcoin apes just because of like how much work and effort it is to inscribe a million dollars worth of these uh, of, of these apes and then there's this narrative of the one gigabyte of 466 gigabytes it's kind of interesting i think that's like an interesting little you know maybe a little interesting piece of the kind of history that could make it into a wikipedia page like 10 years from now i don't know um and then lastly the main other pitch for the bitcoin punks would be they were the ones who innovated this model so robert basically Robert and his team basically created this site and, you know, created this concept of like, we're going to take the hash of the original image, compare it to every inscription on chain and find the, and basically index the first punk that matches. And then that becomes the real one. This model has then been obviously, you know, adopted by Bitcoin apes, but also the BRC20 protocol, also the .sats protocol. So there's a little bit of like an innovation, I would say, that happened there that I think is, is another good argument for the punks. But all in all, these are just, these are just uh, you know, I think, I think there's more to it than just apes and punks on Bitcoin. If that was it, I'm just not sure if I would find myself attracted to this sort of thing as a collector. I do value those underlying kind of narratives and stories behind this. Yeah, that's our, that's our historical NFT nature kind of popping up from it. Outside of, you know, just punks and apes, um, you know, there is, there is, I think I've seen some of the, the board ape owners go to and, or have been advocating to buy some of these Bitcoin apes because they want the pair very similar to like the V1, V2 things. 
<clears throat> but I actually like what what Leonidas said with the the model. I think this could be a because this could become a standardized inscribing model because the royalty fees don't really exist on Bitcoin. It's not like the nature of Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin community. And so you're kind of going back to this like Larva Labs model where you just take a percentage of the supply and then you let everyone else kind of mint it for free, right? And so here, I I assume, I don't know the percentages, but I, I know, I assume that both teams probably took a percentage, right? They set it up. So they're they're more than welcome to do that as long as it's not too much so that you kind of just taint any sort of like activity, which seems like they did a good job. But you're setting up this decentralized model where people are then going and inscribing. You're not, the people who set it up are not getting the the fees for it those are going to the miners and so you're kind of putting a lot of risk and even like regulatory risk uh you're taking it off of you because if someone says like hey you owe taxes on this you're like i didn't get paid for it right i just i just inscribed i just paid the miners for some of this collection and set it up and everyone kind of went off and did their own thing so i think this could be uh, something that uh that becomes standardized over time i don't know if you necessarily put it into its own standard model it's just something that kind of people uh will use Absolutely. I think it's uh, it's really an interesting model um, and pretty innovative, right? I mean, even if I'm an artist and I, whatever, I'm an artist and I have a, I want to do a 10K collection, I can put the images, whatever, in a, on my website and then you just download them and you upload them yourself, right? And you're the first person to do it and that's the official one. Uh, it's really an interesting model. Obviously, it's we start with the, the, the lowest hanging fruit, the ones that are simple and easy. Everybody understands punks and apes, but uh, you can see how this could be travel across to all sorts of new interesting stuff yes sir uh dog father has got his hand up what's what's good bro yeah basically that's the the counterparty model right where you don't have royalties uh, either and so you the, the artists were always keeping some supply and when it was you know uh, pumping that they were selling them over time to you know gain a bit after the the whole project um raised in value so so you you, you can learn a bit from these um, earlier times from, from Counterparty. And because most of the collections were basically sold for free at the beginning, so rare puppies were like nothing at the beginning, right? So they were just sending them to friends or, or exchanging them. Uh, and the other thing, there's already marketplaces also for ordinals like a generative XYZ or so. Uh, and there you can set royalties. And uh, who knows, maybe some people do some, do think about that, like donating some money to the project founders in order to fund some development. So let, let's see whether that's also, you know, uh, a thing in, in a few years. Jake, why don't you tell us about your uh, listing experience this morning with uh, Native Right, so I have a few of those Bitcoin apes and I was like, all right, now I actually have time, right? We've, we've kind of, from a, from a infrastructure standpoint for Emblem, where we were, in which we'll discuss next, have kind of moved on to curated now. So now I have time to actually like go play within the ecosystem. So this week we had Magic Eden pop up uh, for their own Bitcoin uh, or their Ordinals marketplace. We had Gamma announce theirs. You have the Ordinals wallets, you have OrdSwap. So I was like, hey, I'm going to take uh, some of these Bitcoin apes and just list them just to try to get the experience going. Magic Eden was cool. Not that bad of an experience. Pretty swift, pretty easy. Integrates with Xverse. So feel it has this like kind of Solana Ethereum feel. There's just no liquidity there. They're taking a 2% marketplace fee. It was kind of cool to see everything denominated in Bitcoin. Went over to Gamma. They had like five collections listed there. And they they layered it on top of their Stacks marketplace. So 
and and also you can sign in with like five different wallets so it's a little bit of a confusing experience but if you know what you're doing it's probably easier but i find it weird that you can like sign in with metamask and then also hyro and then also xverse and then the, the wallets are all like intermingling and connecting with each other it was a little bit of a weird experience and they didn't have bitcoin apes listed so i was like all right well i guess this is out of out of the book went over to ord swap ord swap only has a native wallet so you have to like I'd have to take it from Xverse, go send it to the OrdSwap wallet, then list it. It does seem like there's a lot of activity, though, on OrdSwap. seems to be like the leading kind of native marketplace. But again, as we always discuss, is friction points. There's like five friction points of going through that. So I haven't listed it there. And then I went to Ordinal's wallet. Again, same thing. You have to set up a wallet with them. And I couldn't even. And then I set up a wallet. Couldn't even figure out how to list anything. <laughs> so I, I kind of just get what gave up on it. And Hashtag so then early, man, we're early. Actually, my question is though. I mean, with all this talk of um, PSBTs, um, isn't it the thing that you'd be able to like list it in one place, but then it shows up on all the marketplaces? Isn't that the larger idea? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's because the Ord Swap is one that has P, uh, PB and J uh, transactions. That's kind of what I call it. Leo, Leo, chime in here. Is it is it that I, I would be able to list it on Ord Swap, and then it's going to show up on other marketplaces as well? Is that, or do I have that wrong? Okay. Yeah. So this is like a slightly complicated conversation, but basically, the TLDR is on paper theoretically, everyone could adopt like the Open Ordex zero fee zero zero royalty model for psbts and then yeah like it would just literally be when you list on a marketplace it's going to be the same it's going to show up everywhere else everybody uses the same standard that is not exactly what we've seen happen in the in the past two weeks so most of these marketplaces have their own psbt uh basically solution that allows them to uh do royalties to do you know maybe a two percent three percent fee most of the marketplaces are doing this again you know, it's almost like if we have a zero, completely zero fee, zero royalty marketplace, like how does a marketplace make money? Right. And, and that's an open question. So when I've talked to Jamil and like some of these other founders, basically the thesis is, you know, if you provide a really good user experience, people will be willing to pay a small fee for that service. Right. So that's kind of the, that, that's kind of where things are at now. I still don't know like how this will evolve because PSBTs are a bit more open still, even, even with all of these like listings uh, where they're tacking on the 2% fee, what can happen and what I imagine will happen here is we're going to get an aggregator or some of these marketplaces will just pivot to aggregating and picking up the PSBTs listings from all the other marketplaces because you basically are able to do that. And then what that will ultimately do is you'll just have like this kind of uh, experience similar to like Jim where you know you can buy the open C one and pay the 2.5% fee there or you can buy the one from you know another marketplace that has a lower fee and that's where we're kind of settling out and yeah i mean ultimately the dream was zero fees <laughs> i guess but we're quickly seeing capitalism uh at work here and yeah i don't know we'll see somebody can still like open ordax is still a zero fee zero zero royalty psbt marketplace um, I would just say that basically the the experience isn't as good as these teams that are basically, you know, having five or 10 engineers, you know, grinding on a marketplace experience. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I ultimately think long term, both on Ethereum and Bitcoin, you know, the fees for these marketplaces are going to go down to like maybe half a percent. And that's where they're going to stay. And there probably won't be royalties. I just think that's the long term 
that's the long-term uh, end point. But for now, people are charging fees on pretty much all these marketplaces. Yeah, they're they're running almost the same exact thing that Ethereum did about uh, two years ago. So uh, ultimately, what's going to happen right there? Aggregator comes in, and then somebody comes in and tries to circumvent that with the royalties, and the royal or the marketplace fees go down to zero, and so on and so forth. So we're just going to play this cat and mouse game. Uh, on the counter side, though, just going back to like Bitcoin apes uh, and the volume and the uh, you know the fragmented marketplaces now, uh, unfortunately. If you go to like Ordinal's market, they have a 2% buyer's fee, which it seems like people are happily to pay because of that user experience. So uh, people are experimenting with different or a variety of ways to uh, enact. I think there was like 100 ETH in Bitcoin volume or Bitcoin Apes volume. So I, it seems like people are still interested in vaulting them and going and trading in the ETH ecosystem, maybe just because of the smart contract functionality and uh, all that other stuff. So will be interesting to watch. But I do want to pivot. We are talking about, you know, we were talking about counterparty and those different models. The original counterparty uh, collection of Pepe's, I actually teased something out today. I don't know if you guys saw it. Proof of curated of existence. Uh, I posted a, a little uh, snippet, which I'll go over here and uh, pin up to the top of our uh, kind of the, the beginning of the curated experience for, for rare Pepe's. And I uh, couldn't be more excited toying around with this. Still have a little, a little bit of a way to go, uh, but I felt like it was right. People keep asking when, when Pepe is, when, when bulk minting, when all, everything. It just never, it ever, ever ends. Even when you put in the comments, or even when you look in the comments, somebody's like, "Wish this was prioritized over ordinals, but better late than never." <laughs> you can never, you can never appease everybody. Uh, one thing, one thing though, that Ordinals was good. I mean, Ordinals is awesome from an Emblem Vault infrastructure uh, perspective. It definitely uh, shined a light on all of the weak points of Emblem Vault. So uh, there was a benefit there. Of course, uh, there was a lot of other things that happened. But as uh, just wanted to point that out, that um, things could have gotten a lot worse if if the if that wasn't uh, if we weren't aware of those those small mistakes. But we do have a long place to go. Uh, Pepe's are almost on the horizon. Uh, Adam, what are you thinking? I think uh, it was actually good. Uh, Ordinals taught us a lot. And I think the rollout of Curated is going to go a lot smoother because of Ordinals, believe it or not. So um, I think it's going to be worth the wait. And it, we're close now. I mean, we, I know we've been saying we're close, but actually what I mean by close this time is like we're actually like it, it's top mm -hmm. of the list right now, which is, uh, which is great. You know, so the ordinal slowdown has been has been good. Yeah, we're today we're playing or Shannon's playing around with uh, some of the metadata tagging. Uh, we might actually have to eliminate the uh, the card numbers of uh, rare Pepe's and uh, spells Genesis and all the collections, because if you go to the issue is how OpenSea uh, is labeled with the properties and how uh, we link up to uh, with our API and stuff. So we're trying to limit, we're trying to make it as sleek as possible, maybe five or six categories on the side. But when you put the card number, there's literally 36 card numbers of everyone, right? Because you have series one through 36 and then one through whatever the numbers are. Uh, so it's probably just going to be, have it like a, a sub, there's going to be a supply range, uh, lower than 50, lower than 100, 100, lower than 500, 1,000, et cetera. Then there will be the series one through 36. You could sort by year. And then I'll have the asset names. Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're going to run with uh, for now. Love uh, to well, hear other, if, if other yeah. people have ideas. Um, 
you know, chime in and, and uh, <laughs> if we're missing something or you think what we're saying is a bad idea, um, you know, this is the opportunity. We're hammering it out now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, Leo, if you have any, uh, any thoughts on the, our attributes that we're going to add on OpenSea. Yeah, maybe this is something we, yeah, I would want to like dig into exactly like the details. I'm probably not going to have the best answer here, but I think honestly, there are probably like technical constraints and stuff. And just like the, the experience, like you guys probably have thought about all the ideas and like these aren't easy problems necessarily. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It ultimately comes down to like is OpenSea, you know, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting, guys. It's a very large supply. Like ERC 1155 collection. I haven't really seen that on OpenSea. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be, I, I will be interested to see what y'all do. I'm sure it will be like the best, uh, the best you really can. But for certain things, there just aren't great answers, guys. It's just, it's seven, 1,700 cards. Yeah. 1,774 times. Yeah. <clears throat> when I did the math, I think if you include all of the, uh, unique assets um, and their supply of a thousand or under. It's like two million tokens or something like yeah. that. It's literally like it's just that you're never going to be able to to uh, store all of it. Uh, but we will be rolling both of them out, and uh, we will be doing like a soft launch. So it's essentially what happens is, and then I'll call you on Dogfather on on you right after this. We'll have this soft launch. We will allow uh, individuals to vault uh, it's to be determined if the bulk minting will be rolled out with that or the migration because there's just so much interest and demand. Some people just want to get it. We do have to get a bunch of assets on there to kind of you know test the feasibility of the network and all these different constraints. But there's a lot of different things we're going to roll out with it, alongside it, or gradually um, with features. And there are some features that we haven't discussed publicly as well that are going to be pretty cool um, that can kind of decrease all of the friction points. But the cool thing, if you look at the uh, the pinned post, my favorite part about the curated is that when you select an asset, let's say you choose the Nakamoto card, you can't mint that vault until the Nakamoto card of at least one quantity or more is inside the vault. So you're essentially eliminating almost all. I mean, I, I can't say confidently 100% because I know people kind of figure things out. But it, it's just such a huge security upgrade um, that people can trade free, free lists without having to go verify different things. That's that's kind of my favorite component of it. Uh, Dogfather, uh, what's good? Yeah, just wanted to mention. I mean, of course, you guys know about that. You know, you you look, you sit on the stats. But I mean, many of these rare puppies have never been really sold or distributed. Some are really in dead wallets. Some I don't know for whatever reason they never was it. Even you know just one or two dispensers in, in, in like seven years. So obviously they are not that important to be included in the first, you know, round of, of putting putting the puppies in the curated collection. Yeah, the, the massive unlock that I'm excited about, about curated, I was recording, uh, I recorded a show earlier, or a few days ago with Danny Anderson, who is the creator of Bitcoin Crops. And just the discoverability and awareness uh, that it will bring of some of these individuals who have just been sitting on so many assets, whether it's Bitcoin crops or Oasis mining or memory chain, age of chains, force of will, BitGirls, all these things. It could really play into the Bitcoin NFTs narrative. So many people are just unaware of what it is. And if you just have a collection page sitting there uh, with the ability for people who have been holding on to these assets for literally five plus years, you could just see a lot of demand, especially if people feel like they're early to something, right? Let's say you have somebody that owns like a bunch of Bit Girls, 
and they go and vault, you know, 50 of the supply of 300 and they, and they price it really low. Cause you know, you have to build a market if there's never been price discovery and people feel like they get in and that's kind of how the, the positive flywheel effect happens for it. So that'll be, that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm hopeful for it. I mean, I understand doc father's point that it's like, well, I mean, maybe the point is, well, maybe we could fil filter out some of the, you know, stuff. And I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but I do at the same time want us to have the full collection there. Right. And so, but, but how we kind of work with, work with the open sea for kind of walking the customer down a path. I think that's important because you can't just lead with, you know, the stuff that nobody cares. You know, there are a lot of Pepe's that people just don't care about. Right. So if, if somebody's landing on Pepe's for the first time, how do you kind of give them an experience, which gets them to at least the top level that, they're going to understand. They're going to understand Nakamoto card. They're going to understand whatever the shitcoin card or, you know, I don't know, Homer Pepe. Is there any way we could get the guy to list the Homer <laughs> Pepe? You know what I mean? Um, so walk them down the path of the things that are maybe the most interesting, uh, at least, you know, trying to do something like that. We are also um, in constant contact with uh, Pepe.wtf and uh, Joe Looney about some features and integrations um, there. So there are also really cool ideas and products that are uh, being discussed and, and worked on. Some things that are much more gigabrain than me uh, when when they when they bring some of these ideas, you know that that between Shannon Joe, Pepe.wtf, and some of the other counterparty people that discuss that sounds cool. <laughs> How they put it together, I've I've no freaking idea but uh, they're much smarter than me. Can anybody talk to, I think it was earlier this week, um, there was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was FD cards were basically mm -hmm. in, in wallets that were, hadn't moved in years, years. And guy came, like woke up the wallet and sold these things for like, I don't even know, like, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Did you guys track this at all? I was just like, wait, what the heck? It just seemed crazy to me. Did did you some my favorite comment? One guy was like, "What did he wake up as a zombie? Like <laughs> what? What kind of crazy person wakes up and takes you know cards that have traded for whatever fifty ETH, sixty seventy ETH, and and just sells them for like five ETH or whatever? I just did you did you guys track this at all? Yeah, I think I think it was I don't remember who who commented on it. I think it was and this happened multiple times, the wallet that hadn't uh yeah. that had yeah, it just woke up after five years. It's like waking up out of coma, right? <laughs> Can you imagine like you go yes. you, you own like ten or fifteen of these like FD cards and you just disappear for five years and you're like, Oh, maybe 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 I could sell it for ten grand. Meanwhile, they've sold for like two hundred thousand dollars and you just <laughs> I can't I mean, is that possible though? I guess it's possible. But it was like three of them. I was like, Jesus, do I need to build a bot to like grab these things or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you do it's it. It's happened before, guys. Like there was a Satoshi card where I know someone who they had for like six months just an offer on X chain for like some very small amount and it was still the top offer and somebody eventually did bite on that. So there are people that just like have no, they're just completely out of touch. Um, I saw Dan's turn out down there. Wow. Um, if they want to come up and talk about it, maybe they know more than us. But yeah, guys, it's definitely a phenomenon that happens. And it like it's kind of a very weird dynamic that only <laughs> it only uh, really happens in historical NFTs because it requires like many years of someone being completely out of touch. 
Yeah, this, this actually has happened uh, quite often in the Mooncats community as well, where some uh, OG holder has happened actually, like I think like three or four months ago, uh, an old Mooncat yeah, claimed yeah, right. who yeah. he dropped, they, they sold like five or six sub 100 Mooncats for literally like 0.3 ETH. <laughs> and the floor of them was like five ETH. <laughs> And everyone's just like, what the fuck happens, right? It's like, oh, wow, they're worth $600? Awesome. <laughs> Sold, dude. It's crazy, man. I just want right, to know. Yeah, somebody people, tell me how to take advantage of this when it happens again. Uh, dog father. Dog, are, go ahead, go ahead. You've heard. Just the fact that when those things happen, too, how quickly people pounce on them always astonishes me, right? Nothing sits for longer than an hour. I look at when it's posted on open sea and when it's swooped up and they're just so i don't know if it's all bots or just constantly people looking for that or notifications i'm not sure yeah dog father yeah there's definitely people fishing for these type of uh people who live under the rock come out of that and sell that for cheap so they have their xcp offers for you know the big cars out there and uh that's not that easy you need tons of xcp to do that you know for you know, to cover the interesting assets, because it's not like on, on OpenSea where you take your your WE and you, you, you have 10 ETH, you know, and then you, you spread 100 orders. With XCP, this is really then locked. So if, if I put 1,000 XCP on FD card, then that's it, you know, this order will sit there for half a year, and uh, I cannot use that XCP on, you know, Satoshi card and, and whatnot. So I need millions of those to do that on on, 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 on a big level, on, on you know, everywhere. So these are really the XCP wheels. All right. I'm going to let a few people on stage, but uh, I'm going to move on to a, a little bit more housekeeping details of Emblem Vault. We updated the uh, legacy page, if you guys had not noticed, uh, and I'm about to display it here for those that are watching. Uh, we changed the logo of the legacy collection to which was the, the previous Twitter uh, picture. We titled it <coughs> Emblem Vault Legacy, and we put some hyperlinks to all of the integrated chains and to some of the uh, featured historical and current ordinal collections so hopefully that helps out a little bit. We also just passed 11,000 owners, 11,310 owners, becoming one of the largest NFT collections uh, in the space. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that number, uh, or the, vol the volatility of that number once we have curated collections, how many move, or if it decreases or increases just because of the sheer amount of attention. So people go to it, people migrating out of legacy to the new one. It'll be interesting to keep that number together and then eventually be able to actually build like a Dune dashboard with all the curated collections so we can finally get some, some analytics on this. We also, uh, for those that don't know, uh, we actually just got the keys to the Discord recently. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Emblem Vault was actually uh, a huge uh, media uh, or decentralized media and community ownership through this. There was... There's like three dis. There was like three Telegram chats. There was the Discord. The Discord was owned by the community. Uh, I think Chill Billy is in here. Was one of the the original um, people who had been operating it. And it's a community mod um, that started in 2018. So we got we got admin access. So it was very similar to the Mooncat situation where uh, I had to help Ponderware get the keys from Justin Trimble uh, to kind of pass that on. So Discord is now going to be the home for Emblem Vault. Uh, it it's just. 
there's so much demand for our attention. Adam and I are taking multiple calls per day. Uh, we're getting, we opened up a ticketing system now to help uh, with all the support tickets, which has actually helped uh, a lot. Uh, still working out some of the kinks through that. Uh, but if you need anything Emblem Vault, you're going to find us in the Discord. We're, we're, sh we're shining our attention there uh, because we just cannot be between 40 different chats anymore. It's just, it's just, not, uh, it's just not efficient for us to do. So Discord, uh, we got it up and running. We have the tickets. We also, you can see we have the verified NFT collections for all of them, which is a channel. And you could go in here and you could click on any of the, the OpenSea uh, collections that are listed. Uh, we're going to be adding to this, and this is kind of supplemental as we move to kind of this this curated model. So Discord, uh, a big, big plus. And then we also, on the uh, Legacy Collection, you noticed we changed uh, the color to gold. Kind of you want to give a shout out to the uh, designer yep. of that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if he's even if he's even in here right now. I told I told him to come in. He was like, "Please, please do not give me a, a shout out." <laughs> <laughs> but my guy, Awful Eye, um, he created it. He's awesome. He's actually like a legally blind uh, NFT artist. So. Super cool uh, to give him a follow if you ever see him. Uh, he's become actually like a pretty cool uh, community member. He's also a community member of my uh, NFT project and uh, just a cool guy in general um, with a pretty cool story. So I appreciate him for doing that. Uh, the reason why we made this this change is as we move to Curated, right? We're trying to kind of separate the, the branding for it as Legacy is still there and kind of moving into this, you know, this, this new age. Uh, but also for those people who aren't familiar with Emblem Vault to offer some sort of distinction between the colors. So so blue and silver is the the legacy collection, right? Now black and gold uh, is going to be for the curated collection. Uh, so just some housekeeping there so people are aware of, of why that happened. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, we're also, too, we're going to open up a community... Community art contest for the banners and the uh, the icons of each collection, so Pepe's and Spells of Genesis and all of the other ones. So if you'd like to um, have your image or your created banner um, be there, then then please create one and reach out to us. Uh, everyone on Emblem is not artistic <laughs> in any sense, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna need some help. Maybe maybe Adam's kid could do it. Uh, Adam's <laughs> Adam's son is uh, quite artistic and quite the, the PFD <laughs> creator, I should say. Uh, Big, Big God, uh, welcome to the stage, man, for the first time. Appreciate you for for coming up. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I absolutely love your your spaces. Hope, of course, everyone in the audience has given you a follow. Um, my, my question is really around ordinals. I'm 36 hours really into ordinals. I fucking love it. Um, I've just been aping left and right for all the different collections. Um, really just buying as much as humanly fucking possible. <laughs> really my, my question though is, is, is there currently a, because I, I, it's been a while since I've really come back to Bitcoin like this. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people that have probably asked this question, but is there a way that, that like, to not have the sort of, of course, either potentially upside or downside exposure to just holding Bitcoin. But is there some sort of easy swap that I can do other than a, a, an exchange, of course, from going from like Bitcoin to a stable? Um, so that if like I want to, of course, continue to have a wallet where I'm going to be minting stuff or buying stuff on these marketplaces, but don't want the, the sort of exposure 
that you would get in holding, of course, like either ETH or, or Bitcoin. Is that a thing yet on, on Bitcoin? Um, am I missing that? Unless somebody else wants to chime in uh, who knows more about that. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert at all in this, but I do remember seeing that, uh, is it Stacks that was going to have a, was it, remind me, Jake, was it Stacks yeah, was going to have the USD? The Alex Bridge or something like that? Yeah. Some sort of swap. This is where you get into like these swaps where you could swap Bitcoin for USDC using Stacks. Lord, bro, I, I get, I get like my head starts burning and I'm like, bro, we need to like, this needs to be so much easier for like a future where this is like not needed that I need to like swap back and forth and stuff. But I think stacks is the place where you can do that sort of stuff. Yeah. They're trying to, they're trying to bridge over tether and ETH through this, okay. Alex, through this Alex bridge so that you can facilitate and that kind of stuff. Again, got to keep in mind, man, like 80% of all the hacks that happen are through bridges. So uh, be very, very careful uh, about that. I mean, if you just want to simply swap uh, Bitcoin for a stablecoin in a trustless way, you can use some of the uh, decentralized um, or some of the DAO model uh, exchanges, I guess you call it, like Shapeshift and Change Now. Um, are pretty pretty simple ones that are pretty cool. Uh, Shapeshift was created by Eric Forheves, who's kind of the OG in the space. Yep. So I, I I use those from time to time, but natively it just does does not exist. Um, the, I mean, you had Sovereign at one point. That was like my huge L, my huge just trade loss last year, uh, which is like a DeFi. It's a Bitcoin <laughs> DeFi protocol that's that's built on Rootstock, which is like a a side chain of Bitcoin. And I tried to dabble in that for a while. That system is just even more antiquated <laughs> than everything else is. Oh man, it's it's tough. I'm sure it maybe all comes. Just, maybe just hold your Bitcoin, man. That might be the best strategy. Yeah, man. Thank you. No, no, no problem. Uh, moving on uh, to some of our other favorite uh, historical NFT stuff. I don't know if you guys had seen this, but Ponderware, Ponderware is back. Did you guys, Adam? Did you happen to see this? What are they? What are they doing? I, I they teased it, and it was like the announcement pre the announcement, right? They said that they're starting a new project. So the first, there's a long thread, so I'll just read the first and the last tweet. It says, "We know you're curious about what we've been cooking behind the scenes, and we're eager to give you a glimpse into our plans. First, we want to expand our vision for the future and what drives us to create." And then goes on, blah blah blah, and says, "As all this continues with our newest project, which will be announced in a short order." This marks a new chapter for us, and we can't wait to see where it leads. We are on a mission to find our tribe, and we hope that you're part of it past the flask. It's interesting because they've been very uh, kind of like pretentious about their tweeting and stuff. They've kind of always been like, a little snobbish, uh, but I mean, they are OGs, um, right? They moved on. Pat. They moved on past Mooncats. They sold that to them. Um, uh, right, they have these things like we, we promise to never use the word fidget, fidgetal. Um, they kind of been shitting on ordinals and calling them ordinals. Right, kind of taking the like <laughs> the, the moral high ground. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, they have they've launched a few projects so far. Um, I know that they've kind of migrated to this this uh, like Web three studio. Oh, they moved their thing to pixelated. They're going back to pixels. I mean, I could give you some alpha. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I've been talking with a few people of of what their project could be and who am I be. It. Let's hear it, bro. Uh, the, the leading theory I have right now, dun, 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 is that they're the Nakamigos, this ah, new project yes. that just re that released. So uh, 
And the leading theory behind this is that I to sell those uh, Nakamitos guys. <laughs> yeah, so, so the leading, the leading theory, and this is all speculation. So please take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Sartoshi, when he came back, he said that he was working with uh, a 2017 uh, dev team to build a project. And then, and uh, he had put this in like the disc, their discord or something like that. And then uh, the Nakamitos launched yesterday. Uh, Pondware said they're going back to a pixel project. They changed their profile to pixel project. Nakamigo's launched. They posted that the same day saying they're launching. There's this whole, there's this whole like leading narrative of like who the Nakamigos are. And, uh, and Sartoshi had said that he's working with an OG project and Sartoshi's, uh, if you owned the, the end of Sartoshi, which was like that, his like kind of rug mint, uh, as he walked away. If you held them, you got to mint the Nakamigos for free or for free or low free or whatever it was. Uh, so that's kind of the leading speculation is that, you know, maybe they are. Uh, I think it's, I think, I forget what the, there's like a whole dev team name behind it. it that's not the Nakamigos. It's called like Hold Labs or something labs or I forget the name. Uh, so maybe it is, maybe it's not. Uh, but I'm interested to see what, what, it, what well, they're doing. Nakamigos, I'm just looking at Nakamigos right now. It is 20,000. So that would fit with Ponderware. And uh, having too many, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that would fit. Um, I don't know, man. It's like whatever, whatever Ponderware. I mean, look, those guys are awesome. I love those guys. Right. Mm -hmm. But let's be, let's be honest. Basically everything they've done has been too early or wrong. Right. And uh, you know, so including Mooncats. Right. So, you know, I don't know. No, all their stuff they built, like the basically none of it worked out, right? Um, I can't think of one thing they built, um, whereas like that was a home run, that was awesome, and you know, yeah, it's it's really really it unfortunate. I mean, they're cool. It's really cool experimentation. Uh, it's just they they've been really too early to a lot of this stuff. So they had, if we go through it, right? Mooncats, uh, the story. I, I think most people are very familiar with the story of Mooncats. And then with Mooncats, they did the on-chain uh, accessory boutique. And now you're just starting to see, right? They did that two years ago. And now you're just starting to see some on-chain accessories pop up with uh, Moonbirds. They did the the X copy backgrounds and uh, 10 KTF. Yeah, do- doodles, right? So you're starting to see the accessory stuff. So again, a little bit too early. Uh, they did the they did the contract work for Starcade, uh, which was... Uh, which is that kind of like gaming project, which I still, I actually think I still own some Starcades in their training center or something like that. A uh, cool project. I mean, just still, again, it, none of them, none of the pr- projects they build is like non-hype projects, which is kind of feeds into kind of like their personality in general. Um, so they just like to build cool stuff. Then they did that, uh, that pixelated like wonder project. What was that called, Adam? Do you remember what I'm talking about or anyone? The one that they like airdropped everyone and everyone got pissed. They're like, what the fuck is, <laughs> what is this? They're like, it's oh, you- the game, the game, dude, that game. Yeah. Where people <laughs> oh, were like, what is this? It's historic and it's not historic. What is that? Yeah. 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 What was that? Yeah. Uh, that was their attempt. If anyone's familiar with South Park, I'm a big South Park fan. Um, you know, Matt Stone and Trey Parker learned a long time ago that you can make fun of everyone except for your audience. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. who's Cartman's, who's Cartman's uh, dad episode, and then them on April Fool's, uh, you know, supposed to reveal it, and then they just did a Terrence and Phillip episode the whole time, and they went on hiatus, and everyone hated them for it. Um, <laughs> this is similar, right? So it was their April Fool's thing, and they wanted to... Um, 
they wanted to do a nod back to the 90s um what was that name of the you know that style of all those web pages back geo cities right thank you yeah so it was their geo cities kind of owed to but of course they pitched it saying that it was this ancient 90s nft project and and you know obviously it was new and then it had the game and people didn't quite understand it i mean you guys hit it on the nail everything they do is either too early or either way they're they have fun you know and i still talk with jerfuls all the time um but uh they have fun building and they're having fun building right now um i you know he's talking to me a little bit about it but not a ton of, of what they're doing he just knows that you know this is the most exciting thing for them is when they're in this phase and having fun and experimenting and doing things they want to do it uh the way they want to but the, you know self-admittedly they know they're not the best at marketing and they're not the best at um post-execution and building hype or any of that stuff so we'll see what happens i'm excited for the new one that they got coming up um you know i've seen a little bit of it it looks cool but um the only thing i can say right and i don't even know this for a fact i just you know even the tweet that they put out it kind of hints at it look they are not going to have a click to mint button that's not their way um and you know this is something i've always loved about moon cats is the execution of, of how you get it. And, um, you know, they don't want people to jump through too many hoops because they don't want to make it inaccessible. But at the same time, um, they want it to be a unique kind of experience to get it. So I would expect something similar. So Ethor, you can confirm the Naka Amigos thing is not true then? I cannot confirm or deny. Ah! I, do <laughs> I do not believe it's them. To me, okay. there's no way that Ponderware goes and drops the 20k PFP. Like mm -hmm. that is like that sounds like the last thing these guys would want to do with their lives, based on like my just vibes and talking to them a little. But I don't know. Like we, we we will see. It'll definitely be interesting. I don't think they're gonna do a project that's like fitting the needs to be hyped, like brand building parties at NFT and YCX. I don't think it's gonna be necessarily like that. And I just my guess is these guys don't want to build something where they have like a community that's like cheering for them to like hype the project for the price to go up. I just, I could not imagine that that's what they go do now, but you know, we will see. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is quite interesting. So yeah, maybe they, they also are just like a web three studio too. So, you know, who, who knows, man, I hope I wish them the best. I hope they do it. Uh, they were cool. I was really close with them for a while. Then they unfollowed me for some reason. So <laughs> I was oh, kind of no. serious. Yeah, what? yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they got mad. I called them out or something. I don't know. I was their biggest supporter for the longest time. So uh, it is what it is. And their last project I mean, I was the uh, in in the in the chat on YouTube. I just put in there the Quest game. It was 3. called Quest Three. Um, <laughs> you know, that was like man, the community was so pissed about that. Um, yeah. Oh man, you I know, just execution as far as like. Oh, did did you lose me there for a second? Yeah, execution yeah. they did execute well, man. Unfortunately. Yeah. And the last one that they did was the condo minis thing where it was like you take five NFTs and you can kind of combine them and disassemble them to build these like city things. That was fun for about uh, about all of 10 seconds and then it kind of just fell apart <laughs> after that. <laughs> cool, a cool experiment, right? Like nobody had really done anything like that again. So again, on the for on the forefront, but uh, it's very there it's very big their model, so I appreciate them. Uh, attendees beat.btc. I've had your hand up waiting patiently. Thank you. Uh, GM, GM, Ribbit, what's up, man? Uh, from a 10K uh, hype group project over here, I just want to say uh, 
frogs go hard. And uh, thank Leonidas, thank you for uh, purchasing a frog. Um, just got a little question about taxes. Yo, and, when I um, tweeted that out, I did not realize. Like, I tweeted that out to demo the Magic Eden. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's getting, like, hundreds of replies by these frogs. Like, oh, my God, Leonidas. <laughs> that was we amazing. got the hype. This community in this space next to That was an amazing experience. Let's fucking go. That I did not expect. <laughs> I brought the lie. Like, that prompted me to buy about, like, 40 of them. So, you know, I love you. <laughs> Leo's just buying the cheapest one he can, the cheapest uh, ordinarily can find, and it turns out to be the whatever the ribbit frogs or whatever these guys are, and they're going crazy. I found I found out that they have a pretty strong community, so that's that's they've got that going for them. <laughs> oh my Jesus, dude! How awesome. how freaking funny is that, dude? So do we have like a tax professional here? Um, just out of curiosity, trading ords, um. Essentially, we're we're just purchasing a a single Satoshi, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do I really have to report them? Uh, pretty good, pretty good argument. I mean, <laughs> pretty good argument. I They're mean, so small. I, They're so small. I shouldn't have to report them. I mean, it's just the sat, right? Yeah. I, I like that argument. I'm gonna roll with that one. I'm not purchasing art. I'm purchasing Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, a sat's a sat, right? I'm just overpaying for a single sat, right? <laughs> Can you imagine explaining that to your ta to your tax attorney? You're like, yeah, I bought a dollar for a million for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> just because yeah, I already did, and he was like, we're just not gonna report that. <laughs> <laughs> I like never it. sell, never lose, never pay taxes. It's simple. Oh I think we're gonna have to start an ordinals tax service here. So speaking speaking of ordinals, I don't know if everyone saw it. There is a uh, more mordinals now, or was it? What do they call it? Moranals. Monero has their own ordinals, and I remember tweeting about this. Uh, literally, as Bitcoin <laughs> or as uh, Bitcoin ordinals were popping off, and I was like, if you ascribe on an ordinal, to, or if you didn't ascribe on Monero, does anyone know? <laughs> it's right, if, if an ordinal falls in the Monero forest, does it make a sound? <laughs> right? It's like, no, man, I, you know, I, I saw that, and, and uh, I was just like, the thing is, nobody uses it. And that, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's just the guys who are into Monero, and I know there's a lot of hardcore Bitcoiners who love Monero and stuff. Um, and, and like as a privacy coin, awesome right um but the reality is the barrier for entry is just too high nobody's gonna who's gonna even i don't even know what is it does monero have its own wallet what do i even have to do just users aren't gonna do it they're just not gonna do it man that, well i could be totally wrong but that's my gut on on the minordinals <laughs> or mordinals <laughs> mordinals well that's what the monero people want you to think right no one's using it it's kind of the whole that's kind of the whole idea behind it. Yeah, there is nobody on this on this ghost chain. Probably yeah, right. Totally. Speaking of Monero, though, I don't know if you saw a, a fluffy pony who was the person who was kind of running Monero for a long time, kind of just gave away the whole system. I guess they was like gave away some of the surveillance perspective of it to uh I forget what jurisdiction it was or what regulatory body it was that he was working with them for a few years. And I'm probably messing that up a little bit. Uh, but it just goes to show you, even the privacy-centric people, when they're put under pressure from regulatory bodies, man, they they can cave and they can give away all of that information to how the whole system works. Yeah, speaking of mordinals, did 
I, I, I stumbled down a, a, a rabbit hole of BSV is now claiming ordinals. Um, I, I, I tagged post Capone in it just to kind of ruffle his jimmies a little bit. But um, how do you guys feel about Bitcoin silver ordinals? Well, Bitcoin SV was the, right? the reason why they forked off of Bitcoin Cash was to go even higher blocks, right? Don't they do like at stupid amounts of size? So they can, they can, they've been doing, uh, what is that social media? Twitch. They've had Twitch for like two years or something. Twitch is like their Twitter, uh, decentralized Twitter. And I've never used it before. There are some devout people who are just all about Twitch and using it because you can store as much information in there pretty much as you need. Uh, but now inscribing on single Bitcoin SV sats, it, to me, it seems kind of pointless if you can pretty much just max limit and mint things within a block. I, I don't know. Does, I don't know. Does anyone else have an opinion on this? Jake, there's people that are inscribing like full feature films in 4K. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> It's just way cheaper. That's the, it's way cheaper, <laughs> like less less decentralized, less secure, but way cheaper. And there's going to be use cases where that probably makes sense, right? I guess so. I mean, I'm going to inscribe all of my video games into a single sat and, and go sell it, right? I don't know. I, we have a Bitcoin SV <laughs> deposit address on uh, on Emblem Vault. So, hey, whatever brings more attention to us, I guess. Do you really? <laughs> I didn't even know that, man. That's dunk on them. What'd you say? Uh, I just wanted to hear Leonidas dunk on uh, Bitcoin SV if possible. <laughs> I, I try not to dunk on too much stuff. I've gotten in trouble historically dunking on things. So <laughs> I try to keep the high ground and just talk about the shit that I fuck with, I guess. But look, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some uh, interesting stuff that's happened in Bitcoin's history. And, you know, there's people that can probably uh, say stronger things than I will about that. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm a fan of people trying experiments and stuff. Just like there's obviously a spectrum of like literally scamming and lying people, lying to people versus trying experiments. So just kind of you know <laughs> do your own research, guys. D Y O R, whatever is going to bring Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV back, right? I, I think, dude, the whole ordinal thing, you could probably put it into almost any proof of work chain. It seems like. Uh, you have Doginals uh, that's existing. They actually uh, created their own wallet now. Uh, it's called Wolf Wallet. People aren't are, are interested in that. So Wolf Wallet exists, and I have got information um, that you can actually store it in an emblem vault too, uh, in a unique way. I guess if you take the private keys to a Wolf Wallet address, you then go store it in an emblem vault, kind of very similar to what some people started doing recently, where they're taking the ownership of vintage XCP assets. So one, for example, is Pepe Pepe. Somebody put the private keys or the ownership of that asset in an emblem vault and is selling it. So you can essentially that's the same thing the Doginal community is doing is taking the private keys of the Wolf Wallet and then storing it in and selling it that way. Until we add uh, the Doginal specific uh, wallet address in there, which they just need better infrastructure because we need explorers and all kinds of other unique stuff to that. Dogfather, who is our Doge expert, who is also um, the father of Jolly Roger or the, the team that's been around for a while. What's good? Um, I mean, my take on all these other chains trying to mimic and, and I mean, it, it, it's all cool, right? I mean, they also want to have a part uh, of, of the whole thing, you know, but um, even, you know, on Litecoin, which is relatively large compared to the others, 
there's still really little going on in terms of infrastructure building. So maybe they just take a bit more time because they have smaller teams. But I mean, I would not go into even smaller kind of uh, protocols to and, and hope for the best if, you know, even the second largest project like Litecoin is not really getting far. And, and you know, on Dogecoin, that's even, even more complicated because you can only inscribe very small files. And that's already possible with the Doge party. So that's not too much in innovation. So I think for most people, staying on Bitcoin is the safer bet. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, Litecoin, Adam and I were pretty active in Litecoin ordinals in the beginning because uh, we were trying to add support for them. And it's legit like four or five people kind of like really work. <laughs> I, get, I mean, I give him props. Like the guy, uh, Anthony, who uh, created that fork, uh, there was a 21 Litecoin bounty. So he got paid 2100 bucks essentially to do it. And now he's kind of stuck with it. <laughs> now, now he's actively building on it. Well, they opened well, up. Okay. What we've learned is all these things are like just a handful of guys, like even Bitcoin, right? Counterparty. We all know J-Dog, right? There's not many people building this stuff. I mean, that's why actually Ordinals has been really significant because you've got, I don't know, 40 new guys coming in and building stuff, right? And when you add 40 to what was two, like that's substantial, right? And, uh, you know, this is how stuff gets built and moved forward. Um, but it is so small. You do recognize these teams and people who are like, you know, building stuff. You recognize that, wow, it's just a, it's a handful of guys, um, which is pretty amazing, actually, when you think about it. I agree. Bitgod's been waiting patiently. Uh, you thinking about some some Doginals? Well, no, I was just I was just sort of I think wanted to expand on really I think what Dogfather was talking about with you know I I think some of these other chains trying to expand um, into NFTs or copy of course what Ornals is doing or just any other sort of chain has done for the past bit. I, I think what's what's ultimately happened right is like when you look at the data. 80% of, of sort of the first transactions on ETH are really with NFTs. And so I think that anyone that is, you know, building on, whether you're building on Litecoin, whether you're, whether you're the Litecoin core devs, the BSV core devs, you're going like, what are we actually going to, to sort of create or, or try and attract new users? And right now that thing or, or that is, is really NFTs. And so I think really what happened post, you know, post Luna crash, as well as, a lot of these centralized exchange crashes, crashes was there's really right now probably a mistrust of, of much of DeFi, which was really the, the, the mainstay or really the main point of entry for, I think, a lot of people back in, in 2019, 2020, maybe 2021. Um, I think going into sort of the beginning of 2021 to, to now, it's, it's really focused around NFTs. And I think people are, are in general pulling their, their money out of many different DeFi protocols across ecosystems to check out NFTs. And I think that if you're a brand new ecosystem like Bitcoin, if you're a brand new ecosystem on, you know, some sort of new Altel one or emerging L1, um, you have to be catering, I think, to really this audience because everyone I think right now is, is in total mistrust of both centralized and, and, and decentralized exchanges that are offering any sort of yield that is is just another form of a Ponzi. I gotta love the Pon gotta love the Ponzi's man. <laughs> uh, moving on, actually, this I think this uh, topic that I'm about to bring up right now 
could have some profound impacts, although uh, I believe there's going to be a follow-up to this. The New York Times put out an article talking about the judge dismissing a lawsuit over the ownership of the $1.7 million NFT. The legal battle over quantum is part of a larger effort to define the rules of ownership for digital artworks. So for those that don't know, the, the story behind this is that in 2021, Sotheby's and Kevin McCoy uh, sold an NFT that uh, they claimed was the first ever NFT, Quantum, which was originally registered to the Namecoin blockchain in 2014, which is a GIF. They sold it to Silly Tuna for $1.47 million. Turns out, though, uh, after the auction, that they realized that this was actually a remint where uh, Kevin McCoy took the same image and minted it on Ethereum in 2021. And then claimed it was a first NFT because he was taking, he was claiming artist provenance over kind of the technical provenance. And so uh, there's an individual, his name's Early NFT uh, on Twitter. He went and claimed the, uh, the registration for it um, when he saw this auction and claimed it and minted into the uh, Namecoin registry that he owned it. And so afterwards, he filed a lawsuit against them claiming, um, I forget what the actual claim was, but basically saying that he owns the actual NFT itself. And so it was, but he did it under free holdings because he lives in Canada and he's protect, protecting his uh, anonymity. Uh, free hold, and the judge after this uh, dismissed the case, siding with Sotheby's and Kevin McCoy saying that free holdings is demonstrating nothing more than an attempt to exploit open questions of ownership in the still developing NFT field to lay claim of the profits of a legitimate artist. Quite interesting. It says the significance of this case is that it prevented a party from using somewhat obscure blockchain usage rules to appropriate the work product of an artist is what one of his, uh, one of the lawyers um, has said uh, during a phone interview uh, Kevin McCoy said that this court victory showed that the blockchain technology protects artist rights. So he's taking the artist rights over the, the provenance of, of uh, Namecoin. And Namecoin, in general, is a, quite a convoluted ownership history. Uh, there's kind of two leading ideological perspectives for this because Namecoin, as the first altcoin in 2011, uh, had the first ever NFT registered um, to the blockchain, Bitcoin.bit in 2011, April 21st, 2011. The, it's a registry, it's a domain registry. So you can, so the, the assets expire every about eight months. I think it's like every 36,000 blocks or something like that. And so it's a UTXO model. So the UTXO expires afterwards. And so then afterwards, uh, individuals can then go claim it afterwards. And so some, some people who collect on there are saying that you follow the name history itself. So if, if Bitcoin.bit was registered in 20, April 21st, 2011, then therefore it's existed for that long, no matter what the impact is on the UTXO. The other individuals who are against it say that once UTXO expires and you re-register it three years later, then that's when the, that's when the uh, provenance begins of that asset itself. Adam, what do you think, man? Do you think this is a you think this is a big hit to the ownership overall of how NFTs will be defined in the court system, or is this just big nothing burger? Oh, it's not a nothing burger, but it, it's going to be more than this. There's going to have to be multiple, multiple more lawsuits and figures, and um, we're going to talk about it more on, I believe, Monday's show with uh, 
Brian, who's our uh, IP lawyer expert, he's going to come on and we're going to dive into this a bit more because it is detailed and nuanced. And you, like he says, like, man, this is like the laws need to be written. And obviously, we're just talking about U.S. law, right, for this, uh, which which pretty much is going to lead the world as far as the IP and stuff goes. But uh, we're, we're still in early days. And there's, I mean, I know uh, it's going to be contested. I think we've already found that out. It's going to be appealed. Um, whether or not he'll be successful long term, I, I, I would say I would doubt it. But, you know, you never know. And it, it's, it's complicated, full stop. Like, it's complicated. And certainly when we get into court, uh rulings and stuff uh it's going to be even more complicated and then layer in whether or not we as nft collectors will even necessarily honor it so to say right we may say okay well fine that's what the artist believes but we believe the real ownership is with the name coin asset or you know so there are all these kind of layers to it and nuanced conversations that i'm sure it's going to be a decade or longer before we've kind of hashed out where we all stand in this. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to leave. It's definitely going to have an impact. I did message early NFT. He said that he's definitely going to be filing appeal. He said that he didn't feel um, that he did a good job defending uh, or presenting his case. Uh, Chain left actually got cited in the court document. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I think that was the best part of the whole thing, man. Man, it's to a Twitter is literally just being cited left and right in all these court cases again. So it, whether you're you're SBF and and fraud and going on Twitter Spaces, basically just giving you know the New York <laughs> the New York attorneys just evidence against you, or if you're just a small person in the historical NFT space being quoted presenting on the provenance of Namecoin. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. I, Joe Looney actually had a, a very funny quote tweet after the New York Times. He quote tweeted and said, "Today he said uh, the first NFT, the first NFT was minted in 2021." <laughs> 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 oh boy, right? Is that that's? I mean, that I think I mean, you look. Could- could appeal, I think you could appeal essentially on those grounds of, of the court saying that the first NFTs in 2021. Look, this is it. I mean, at the end of the day, if they said that. Right. And the court decided that. Right. Do we have to go along with it? Right. Do we have to agree? Right. And and so there is there are multiple layers to this. It's incredible, man. Awful eyes got his hand up. He's also the one who uh, created the logo and banner for Album Vault. So uh, appreciate you for doing that, bro. Uh, how's your morning going? What's your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good, man. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, I took a nap. Um, <laughs> but um. I don't, I don't know, man. It, it seems kind of, kind of weird if it was um, minted on Namecoin back in 2011. I feel like that should be the um, the start of it, you know, like that. That's when it started. So I feel, me personally, I mean, I, I just feel like that's where it should. If that's where it started, that's where it should start, you know. Like um, it doesn't matter if uh, if somebody come back and re-registered it or whatever and it 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 started back in 2011 so in my opinion that's where that's where the um the i guess provenance and stuff like that i I guess that's where uh shit i can't think of the word um i I think that's where it should should start and i think that's where it should end i don't think he should have been able to to do that so I i don't think it should stand up in court honestly because 2011, I mean, that's that's a long time ago now. 
And it's, I mean, three years, I mean, there's people that were around then that aren't around now. So would that, uh, would that mean that if anybody bought a, a piece off a of name coin that, um, that they could like get sued for that <laughs> or yeah, it's a, man, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough question. So this, the asset specifically in this case, um, it's, it, there's so many layers too, right? Because it's, it's actually a 2014 asset. Uh, and it's a, it was a gift that was registered. So they're claiming that the non-fungibility, uh, the first they're claiming non-fungibility starts with the artwork and not with anything else, uh, which I think most people tend to disagree that non-fungibility is more than just, that represented an art and then it, then it's reminted. And so then they're siding with the artist and they're saying that the provenance, the provenance sides with whatever the artist says, um, right. In a, in a, in a industry that, that abides by code is law. It's tough to get around that. Dude. How awesome is it that the whole idea of basically creating provenance through blockchain technology has made provenance even more complicated <laughs> and less clear. How awesome is that, man? Humans are complicated <laughs> beasts. It's so great. <laughs> if that's the case, then I created the first NFT back in 98 when I was um because <laughs> if I mean if it's if it's based off the artwork, I was making artwork back then. So I mean it, it obviously didn't doesn't mean that it has to be minted. You know, right, you just minted it today, but you made it back in 1998, right? So yeah. 1998 is the actual mint date. <laughs> Swag Toshi, uh, first great name. Uh, second, uh, what's good? Grazie, grazie. What's up, boys? I'm actually going to go back to what we were talking about before, just because I think it's important and it could potentially help a lot of you on this on this call here um, on the tax piece. So I'm an I'm an accountant by trade, DJ by night. Um, but when it comes to figuring out your taxes for NFT stuff, at the end of the day, it comes down to the cost basis when you purchase that item. So let's say, for example, you buy, uh, an ordinal today for one BTC, that cost basis on your personal books is going to be 27 and change. As Leonidas said, you're not paying taxes unless you sell it, but let's say you sell it in a year or two. You sell it, though, for one BTC, but one BTC is worth, let's say, $1 million. Um, that you're, you're then, you have to then pay the gain, or the tax on the gain of the difference between the, the price of Bitcoin when you sell and the price of Bitcoin when you bought. First in, first in, first hey, out. Hey, can I, uh, but we're not actually buying art. We're buying a Satoshi, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely gray areas. I. I would say that's probably the most conservative approach is to use that cost basis. Because well, you, know, you may have an aggressive accountant that wants right? to put his name on something else. But for me, if I was if I was signing tax returns for people, I would I, I don't know how comfortable I'd be with that, but well played. But who knows? Still gray area. Hey, that's what we operate in is the gray area itself. I do want to know one one final topic uh here that um I think it, it, it caught a lot of attention and then kind of went under wraps and they had some issues is the the future of tokenized media. Uh, Matt Medved, who uh, most of us on stage, me, Leo, Adam, uh, we host shows for them uh, on Mondays. They minted the Now Pass and then had some technical difficulties. I don't know, Adam, did you, did you see that? That happened. They had a, 
they had an issue with the the code where the transfer function on the marketplace wasn't displaying. It shows even the greatest, even the biggest, even the biggest uh, brands in the business can have issues with with uh, just simple contract functions. Yeah, it's rough, man. I felt bad for those guys. I didn't track it, so I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, and I did mint a couple or whatever we could. I think as as uh, hosts we could mint two, so I minted two. Uh, but, and then, you know, I, I went to OpenSea and I'm like, it's like, do not, you know, it's like, uh, NFT now do not transfer. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, um, Hey man, tech's hard. And especially, I mean, a lot of people are like, Whoa, why didn't you just use manifold? Why didn't you, you know, but at the end of the day, look, you may be trying to do something a little bit more interesting or have certain functionality and, um, yeah, it's, it's rough. I felt bad for those guys. Yeah, and Matt Matt seems like he's been in pretty good spirits for it. I can only imagine behind the scenes though the, the absolute chaos that ensues from it. He's doing they're doing an airdrop, I believe. Yeah, I minted two as well. They're doing an airdrop where um, the other ones become, uh, I guess, collectibles. Right? We'll have the V one V twos. Maybe maybe three years from now we can say these are the original tokenized media tokens. <laughs> and go in and have some fun i'm excited to see where it goes i've actually been very bullish on tokenized media although it's it's the idea of it's incomplete it's it's basically the idea of like how do you incentivize communities and hosts to participate together to create i guess to curate value is interesting i actually i kind of hit it nail on the head which i'm gonna, I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back for this in August of last year, I said, if anyone's going to figure out tokenized media, it's going to be NFT now. And then they launched it. So giving myself <laughs> right time, tra time traveler. Uh, the only, yep. the only people really in that have kind of really dabbled into this so far is rug radio, I guess is kind of on the biggest frontier of it. So I'm interested to see what else it might be. There was not really much technical information out there, but I mean, they have, connections to literally everybody in the space so i don't doubt that they have some plans there but when you're a big brand like that you have to move a little bit slower and a little bit more tactically from it i'd like to hear leo's opinion as somebody who's pretty much a professional twitter spaces host now um and has get and has become familiar with with media and and uh how the space kind of operates uh, what, what are your thoughts on nft now and tokenized media uh i'm definitely not a professional twitter <laughs> I have been long avoiding putting the hashtag spaces host in my uh, <laughs> to continue to dodge that bullet. But look, I, yeah, I think this is a bit of a nothing burger. Like basically there's one line of code in their contract that should have basically admitted an event. It doesn't actually have anything to do with uh, like the actual transfer. It's just literally an event that OpenSea and these other marketplaces use to pick up on when a transfer happens. I did notice that like when I mentioned mine, it didn't show up on OpenSea. So <laughs> I didn't really look into it more than that, but I did think it was weird that it only showed up on Etherscan. But yeah, I mean, look, again, this is like, uh, to me, like this is a team that is, they're not an engineering team. Their goal is to basically uh, build this, uh, build this like community and incentivize that community. And they're really experts at basically journalism. Like Matt has a, a degree there and like they're going to create um a media brand in in web3 and ultimately like i'm sure they just outsourced the smart contract and the person who they outsourced it to kind of messed up and you know you live and you learn but they're going to do an airdrop and everybody will forget about this you know I, I really don't think it's like that big of a deal to be honest it's uh didn't really affect the uh 
ownership as far as I can tell. So I think it's really just about, yeah, basically they're going to do this airdrop for the people who did this phase one men, and then it'll kind of just not matter. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it just because I like being out. I like going out on the frontier, seeing stuff, right? Kind of taking the the playbook from Hondaware. Let's go and explore it, but let's add some branding to it as, <laughs> as well. And let's market it a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see if the, any of these guys kind of go after a little bit more of the, um, you know, something to along the lines of what Adam did, you know, back in the day with with uh, Tokenly and that sort of stuff, and and just try and I, I've tried to connect um, connect them with Adam so that they can maybe you know talk to him and learn from their experience, learn from his experience, because the reality was he was successful, you know, with it, and um, you know, obviously it's new today. We're in a new kind of social media environment but some of the concepts are the same so i'm I'm excited to see you know if one of these guys can pull it off yeah it's a it's a big big hurdle to overcome i've kind of learned even over the last few weeks with, with kind of my nft thing that dude building community building community is fun once you add a token to it it becomes a completely different ball game for it <laughs> when moon jake when moon when moon dude people just people just want to know yeah it's uh it's quite 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 fun here but they say, they say, Sir Admin, when does token go up? Yeah, right, man. Can the devs do something? My my price is not good, man. It's not good. <laughs> when, 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 when? Yeah, um, I think that's probably a good time to to probably close it out here uh, with some final words on a, on a good Friday. Uh, I think as I'm looking at this because I have the the OpenSea page pulled up, I think Bitcoin apes are actually minted out or pretty close because. These sales are picking up massively now. So uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't, if, if there's any, looks like there's any, I, I'd be very hesitant to recommend trying to mint some. Uh, mm -hmm. People have probably already got those mints in. So even if you see them as available on the website, they're probably already minted. Uh, I, I would be very, you're probably going to waste your money trying to, trying to mint any off the website right now. And it's a, and a security update. So please, Everybody, please make sure you're looking at the all Bitcoin apes tag if you're going to purchase on OpenSea. Also, make sure that the assets why match up. The, why don't you show them that that one thing? Maybe show them the page just so everybody can see that, that kind of yeah. one scam we saw pop up uh, with the board ape, or sorry, the Bitcoin apes. The Bitcoin was that apes, yeah. People were putting a floor ape in an emblem vault. And then putting the image for like whatever the one we saw was like the golden ape number two three two, it had a legit Bitcoin ape in the vault, but it was a it was a floor ape. And so, you know, being able to just do that check, it takes two seconds to check, um, just to make sure you're looking at the legit one. So yeah, this one, it, you know, the the title says you know Bitcoin ape number two three two. But then when you look in the attributes, it actually says, oh, well, it's Bitcoin Ape, you know, 9626, right? So you got to you gotta check the attributes uh, in the vaults right now just to make sure you're, you're not buying a scam. Yep. And we actually are, by the end of this day, we'll have a, an update push to where the inscription number in the title has to match the inscription of the asset inside the vault. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had to do that for Bitcoin Ape or uh, Bitcoin Punks, mixing them all up together. We had to do that for Bitcoin Punks, uh, and so it'll probably be just like a whole legacy vault kind of thing. 
it's crazy how every time we try to move past legacy, it just keeps pulling us back. And it's like the, it's like that crazy ex-girlfriend dude. It's can't, can't stay away from it. Can't stay, can't, can't stay away from it. Kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, we will have that security function, uh, pushed so you can purchase it through the collection tag, or you could go to, to Ordinal's market and uh, get a little bit of that experience, pay a little bit more and, uh, kind of follow the volumes and stuff there. It seems like but at first and foremost, just please make sure that you're practicing some security for it. You don't know, just thinking of the whole scope of it, right? It was a whole mint out. You don't know how many people are holding what. It's all in Bitcoin wallet. So it's it, you can trace it. It takes a lot more time to kind of trace where everything is going. Uh, so please, please, this weekend, if you're going to trade or if you're going to trade anything uh, on the legacy collection, please make sure that you're practicing proper safety. And also make sure that you touch some grass this weekend, man. Uh, it's March Madness. I was out last night watching some March Madness. That UCLA game was quite wild at the end, if anybody had watched that. Uh, oh, Leo, I, I didn't catch. How was your uh, bachelor party before we get out of here last weekend? Did you have a lot of fun last weekend? Oh, yeah, it was good. I mean, you do what you do on bachelor parties, so <laughs> it was a good time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, gotta love a good bachelor party. It's spring. We're right around the corner. Uh, Adam, fin any final words before we close this out? Oh man, go touch some grass. I'm gonna go pet the pig and uh, get out of here, man. Maybe take an hour for myself. Tendies has got some uh, some final words. Uh, ribbit Bitcoin frogs to the moon. Ordinals <laughs> aren't on tax, so you don't gotta report them on your taxes. <laughs> when I leave, I gotta go film my how to sell a ordinal. On <laughs> oh buddy dude uh bit god can you give us one final word before he closes out yeah man give jake a follow give emblem bolt a follow leonidas dog fathers and and the rest man great space great fucking space uh, i pre appreciate it guys yeah we'll be doing we do this every friday uh 12 p.m eastern 9 p.m pacific Every Friday, recapping everything that is kind of the anti-hype culture. We cover everything, uh, collectibles, historical NFTs, Emblem Vault, and also shoot the shit and find out that Adam has a pig. Like <laughs> the, fun, the funnest thing that's actually out there. All right, guys, I'm going to close this down here in a second. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.